welcome back everyone. So thankful you could join us here in mid-March 2021 or whenever you may be listening to this. And I hope and pray that you're experiencing the river of life, the river of the life of God with all its abundance, and that you're receiving more and more of the grace and restoration of your soul that Jesus delights to pour out on us continually. And you know, if maybe that doesn't sound exactly like your life right in this moment, then be encouraged because Jesus does offer these graces to you as well and calls to you as he does to everyone who is thirsty, come unto me and drink. And today I have a question. When was the last time that you played? I mean that you really played hard, good, hard, totally carefree play, playful abandon. When was that? Maybe it was maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was this morning. Maybe for some of us, and I haven't actually pinpointed my own, but maybe it's been a long time, a longer time. And so I say this not to discourage you if you maybe haven't experienced good hard play uh, in a while, but to help you remember. I just want to remember this this feeling that we've all had, I think, at one point or another, and help us to seek it again, this feeling of play. So I would like to encourage you to remember a time, maybe recent, maybe long, long ago, that that you experienced this play. Maybe it was maybe it was a good game of, of basketball or football back in high school, or maybe more recently. Maybe it was a game you and your friends made up that you thought was really great. Maybe it was a time that you either by yourself or with a friend ran just as fast as you could. Maybe in the dark. Maybe it was just a one of those experiences. Maybe it was an evening with dear friends. You just joked and played and laughed. Maybe it was a moment, one of those moments of uncontrollable laughter at something that if you were to tell someone else, it probably wouldn't even be funny. <laughs> but to you and in that moment, it was it was hilarious and it was just joy and and a beautiful time. Maybe it was, I was thinking of a game of chase when you're really little and you're playing with maybe an older cousin and uncle or someone and, and there's no way that you could outrun them, but, but oh, you try your, your hardest and you play and you play and um, maybe a pillow fight, maybe a, maybe a mud pie competition, maybe a slip and slide in the backyard. Maybe, maybe if you were really little, someone threw you high in the air, maybe threw you into a swimming pool threw you into the river in a time of just pure fun, snowball fight, a road trip with dear friends, a road trip with family. Could be so many things. Maybe you want to pause the podcast now and and just let yourself remember some of these times that were that were so wonderful. And then coming back to the idea of your soul. Now we never we never assess these things in the moment. But if we could assess in memory, what was the state of our soul during those times? You can never stop in the moment and do it, but but we can think back. How did our soul feel when we were playing? I think we'd have to say there were no cares, no pressures, no anxiety can be, can coexist with play. If only for a short time, all was well. 
all was better than well, all was amazing. <laughs> and so if we could be a little more investigative about this, I think we could say that in those times, as we've said, all was well, nothing to fear, no pressures, no immediate needs. And to state it positively, there's a wholeness and a sufficiency for our souls. I think we might even say our souls feel strong. We feel um, we feel empowered. We feel very strong. And so I think the question, the obvious question is, how do we recreate that? How do we get back there? We know that these things, these this environment that we're describing, that they come from God. We know that. But before we go on and dig into that, I want to introduce a really amazing word. If you know me, you know I really love words and, and their specific meanings. And there is a word that kind of encompasses all of these things, all of this environment of play. And that's the word merriment. Now, we don't use that word a whole lot anymore. We basically only use it in association with a popular holiday, right? But let's just ask, what does it mean? What does it really mean to be merry? It's such a great word. Uh, it, it's an old word, an old English word. And it, it's, it just describes play so well, I think. It means, of course, to be joyful, to be cheerful, to be happy, you might say, a deep happiness. But additionally, it has a connotation that means to be strong, to be courageous, or to be full of life. And so it's, it's a lively joy that's different from happiness or mere cheerfulness, but it comes from a place where all is well, where there is strength, where there is a strong heart. It even has connotations of plenteousness and bounty. And, you know, I've always thought it was kind of funny that Robin Hood, he's supposed to be a a manly man, I guess. Robin Hood, he had his band of merry men, right? And I thought that was kind of inter- kind of weird. I always wondered if that was a good title. Were they just like a bunch of jokesters, a bunch of silly dudes that happened to be with with Robin Hood? But no, whenever we really know what merry means, to call these people a band of merry men is actually to call them a rather formidable group. I mean, these are tough Dude, strong, courageous, full of life. And yes, they are joyful and cheerful, but it, it's a deep, whole, strong joy. So I just think Mary is such a beautiful word. I might think of somebody like like J.J. Watt. I mean, a big dude, if you don't know, he's a NFL defensive end. One of the, I mean, I guess one of the strongest men alive, probably. And when he's out there playing, he kind of, he seems very merry, actually. If you define it as strong and courageous, joyful, full of life, I would say J.J. Watt probably fits that description. And then to use a biblical example, we could go to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day into day utters strength and uh, night and a night showeth forth the Lord, and it talks about the the glory of God and how God has prepared a tabernacle for the sun. And it describes the sun as rejoicing like a strong man to run a race. 
And that's this picture of merriment. I mean, think about the strength that is in the sun and the life that comes from the sun. He's saying, that's that's the same joy as this strong man would have if he was going to go run a race. I don't know if that I would feel that kind of a joy if I had to go run a race right now. But I used to be a runner, and there were times when I had practiced so hard, and I was ready, and I was strong, and I was full of life, that I would rejoice to go run a race. I would say, yes, let me get out there. Let me get out there and run and show what I can do. It would be so joyful for me to do that. I guess I was a merry man. I I hope I'm still a merry man. So now that we've described merriment, we should ask, where does this come from? Where where does this abundance come from? We know it comes from God, but first I think it's helpful to to mention a few places it doesn't come from. Because you may know, you may have already thought, that the word merry can also be used to describe somebody who is intoxicated, right? Uh, even in the Bible, you know, the King Xerxes and different folks, they got merry with wine, right? But that's a false a false merriment. What they were seeking was this, what, what I've called the environment of play, where there are no cares, no anxieties. And so how did they choose to get rid of their anxieties was to go to alcohol, or some people go to drugs, or different kind of worldly pleasures, because they're, I think they're looking for this merriment. I think we're kind of hardwired to seek it. But they're seeking it in a false place where, yeah, they, I guess they have their cares go away for a moment, but it's not based in truth. It's just based in avoidance, just pure, pure and simple. So it's a false imitation of abundance, of the abundance of life that Christ offers. And here, I think the beloved parable of the prodigal son will help us. I know we've all heard it probably many times, but listen again and listen for the word Mary in here and where where it comes from. This is Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, and he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son 
was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Such is such a beautiful, a beautiful story of the redemption that Christ offers to each one of us and his and the Father's disposition toward us even when we have departed from him to look for us and to come and invite us and to welcome us home. And so we can notice the reason for the merriment here. He says very clearly, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And later on, after he has talked with his other son, he, he tells his other son, It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and was found. And we see that most basically, merriment comes, or it is right that we should be merry whenever dead things are made alive again. And that's happened to us if we are in Christ. And the merriment from that, from the fact that we are made alive in Christ, uh, should never really die away. It should never die away. But that's whenever we see Christ bringing life, and he does in so many ways in our lives. He does, of course, in our salvation primarily. But there's so many other ways in which he brings us his life. And whenever we see that happening, that is when we are free, really, to be merry. So that's sort of the the overarching principle of how merriment comes is when Christ brings life to things that are dead it's right to be merry it's it's like all you can do <laughs> and the other maybe a less overarching view um is to remember when we remember deeply that we are utterly safe in the hand of God. We talked about the environment of play being one where there's no no cares, no anxiety, no pressure, um, no immediate need we shall not want. And so we, we forget sometimes, but we must remember that we are safe in the arms of Jesus. We are safe in the hand of God, that the, that the universe is the Lord's, that there's really no safer place we could be than in the hand of God, despite all the things in this world that may make us seem less safe, that may seem like good grounds for anxiety. Um, The Lord is our shepherd. When we know that his love is unchanging for us, that his care for us is eternal, that he never sleeps or slumbers, but he always watches over us, when we know deeply that our future is secure in Him. When we know deeply that the cares and the things of this life that would steal our merriment, that they are no impediment to the current of the river of the life of God, that they're no impediment, there is no impediment to Christ's sufficiency for us. When we know that, then we can say that in Christ we are free to play and to be merry because we are well provided for by the sufficiency of Christ, by the sufficiency of his life. And we know that that is such a good place for our soul to be, and we want to be there. Proverbs says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. I would say probably physically, mentally, spiritually. And for our soul, 
It's so true. And it's available, this merry heart is available because of the truth of the sufficiency of Christ. And we can rest in that. At the end of one of the beloved Narnia stories, the horse and his boy, um, Aslan, the great lion, the image of Jesus, the, the type of Jesus, comes in and he's been there the whole story in, in shadowy ways here and there, really guiding everyone's journey. Uh, but he comes and shows himself fully at the end and talks to each one about their story in, in very beautiful ways. And the last thing that he says to them before he departs, he says, Be merry, little ones. We shall soon meet again. And I think this is maybe the crowning, one of the crowning reasons for our merriment is that Jesus will come again. We will soon meet him. We will soon meet him face to face. And not only... And so I think this anticipation of of future joy, of future blessing, is also a part of our merriment and a reason for our merriment, our merriment when we realize that there is more blessing, more goodness, there is always more merriment to be found in Christ. There's always, and there will always be more to receive from Jesus' inexhaustible goodness. There will always be more. There will always be more, and he invites us to receive it. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and whosoever is thirsty, let him come, and take of the water of life freely.